Ah, beloved, I'm Pastor Trey, and you're now listening to the New Living Translation. This is Bonafide Bible Talk, because God speaks my language too, and I'm sure enough about to act like it. Let's go. Woo, it's been a minute, y'all. In any case, I would like to welcome you to season four of the New Living Translation where we are chasing hope and revelation all throughout the pages of scripture. And I'm so, so very excited to kick off this season with y'all, man. A little bit's changed since the last time we did this thing. You know, I'm a published author now, released Theologizing Bigger, homilies on living freely and loving holy. You can grab a copy anywhere you get your books. And you can call me biased, but I think you should check it out. It might mess around and bless your soul. Before we get too much further into this, a couple quick housekeeping notes and reminders about how this thing works out. The more people you share this with, the more people get to join us for the fun. The more ratings and reviews y'all leave, the more people will find us. So if you gonna forget, by the time we get to the end of this episode, go ahead, pause, leave a rating and review wherever you're listening to this podcast, and then come back and join us when you're ready to act right. If you're still listening to the sound of my voice, I can only assume that that means that you're ready to act right and we can get into this bona fide Bible talk. Now, the center of the Christian faith, as most commonly understood, is Jesus Christ. A central tenet of the Christian faith, as most commonly understood, is that the fullness of the character of God is revealed and made known in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the object and the objective of the Christian faith. Many Christians believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are transformed into the likeness of Jesus, who is the fullness of the revelation of God. I am not here to dispute any of those points. However, comma, within the Christian canon, the person who is as responsible as anybody else, perhaps more responsible than anybody else for our current understanding of the Christian faith is Paul. That's right. I said it. Saul of Tarsus, right in the thick of it. Now, I know that there are many circles that like to say things like, I follow Jesus, not Paul. And that's good because even Paul said to imitate me as I imitate Christ. Jesus is the one to whom Paul is pointing us. But the fact of the matter is the only reason that any of us Gentiles, any of us Goyim, any of us non-Jewish people, know about this Jewish man who walked the first century hills of Judea under the thumb of the Roman Empire, was crucified under Pontius Pilate, died and was buried, and on the third day he raised again and ascended to the right hand of Father from where he will come to judge the living and the dead. The only reason that the majority of us know who this God man is, is because of Saul of Tarsus. And that fascinates me because according to these self-same scriptures, Saul of Tarsus, more commonly known as the Apostle Paul, the Apostle to the Gentiles, did not always view God in this way. According to Paul's own testimony, as well as the testimony of the author of the Acts of the Apostles, most commonly believed to be Luke. Paul began his life in ministry as a zealous member of the sect of the Pharisees, so zealous in fact that he went around persecuting, trying to round up the followers of this new Jesus movement. 
and I am so regularly fascinated by this about face that Saul of Tarsus, that the Apostle Paul makes, that we are going to start off our season of the New Living Translation with some bona fide Bible talk about the revelation of Jesus to Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter 9. Let's get into it. Now Saul was still out there wilding, selling wolf tickets and putting hits on Jesus' people. He had gone to the big dog and asked him for the green light for the cruise way out in Damascus so that if he found any of Jesus' people out there, man or woman, he could snatch him up and bring him back to Jerusalem. So he in the middle of doing that, almost at Damascus, and boom, a light out of heaven flashes around him. And Joy knocked him clean out. He heard a voice asking him, Saul, Saul, why you hate me for? Then Saul said, Boss, who are you? The voice said, I'm Jesus, the one you keep hating on. It's getting kind of hard for you to fight against that urge, ain't it? And Saul was shook, amazed. He said, Boss, what you want me to do? Go on and get up and head to the city. Somebody gonna tell you what you need to do. Fellas that was with him stood there quiet as church mice. They heard the voice, but they ain't see nothing. And then Saul got up. He opened his eyes, but couldn't see nothing. He had to hold his hand to walk on the rest of the way to Damascus. For three days he couldn't see. And he ain't eat or drink nothing neither. Now there was one of Jesus' people in Damascus named Ananias. God gave him a vision. Ananias? He said, it's me, God. God said to him, Get up and head to Judas' crib on Straight Street. It's going to be a dude from Tarsus named Saul praying in there. He seen a vision of a dude named Ananias laying hands on him so he could see again. Ananias said, God, I done heard about this dude. He was trying to take us out in Jerusalem, and now he got the green light from the bosses down there to snatch up any of us who put on for you. But God told him, Get on now. I done chose this dude to rep me in front of the world, in front of kings. He gonna do that before he get to the children of Israel. I'm going to show him what it's like to be hated just for putting on for me. So Ananias went to the crib and laid hands and said, Saul, bro, God sent me. Jesus, the one who pulled up on you on the way up here. He sent me to you so you could see again and have God's spirit in you. Right away, something like flakes fell out of his eyes and he could see again. He got up and got baptized. After he ate, he got better. He spent a good minute with Jesus' people in Damascus. And right away, he started putting on for Jesus in front of people, telling them he was God's son. Everybody was shook, talking about some. Ain't this the same one that was giving all of Jesus' people in Jerusalem the business? Ain't he come up here to snatch us up and bring us back down to the bosses out there? Saul kept getting stronger, though kept confusing all the Jewish folks in Damascus by arguing that Jesus was the Messiah they were looking for. Hey, what do you do with a God like that? Think about this for a moment. Paul, or Saul as we meet him right here, wasn't a stranger to scripture 
or what it meant to be in community with God-fearing people. No, if you let him tell it, he's actually an expert. He knew the scriptures. He knew the expectations. He was sure that he knew who God was. He was sure that he knew what God was demanding of him at any given moment in time. He was zealous for that cause until he runs smack dab into Jesus. And in encountering the revelation of Jesus in this blinding light, Paul doesn't even see a body. He just sees a light. He has to ask, who are you? What is happening to me right now? And the light says, I am Jesus. I'm the one you persecuting. I'm the one that you hating on. The very mission that you're on right now is standing against me. That's who I am. What do you do when God reveals to you in Jesus that everything you thought you knew about the right people to persecute, the right people to stand against is wrong? Now, I want you to hear me clearly when I say this. I'm not speaking against all Jewish people. I'm not speaking against Judaism. That is not what I am doing right now. What I'm speaking about is Paul's own self-confessed posture. Paul knew he had it all right. So much so that he was willing to go after people and accuse them in the worst possible ways. Matter of fact, the chapter before we get to Acts 9 and Acts chapter 8, it talks about Stephen being stoned to death and Paul not only being approving of that action, but holding people's jackets while they did it. Paul knew that he had everything figured out and was willing to cleanse anybody who was getting it wrong out of the way. And then he meets Jesus, while he's on the road to keep on doing this, to take this mission abroad. And Jesus says, I am the one that you are persecuting. I am the one that you've been hating on. This story in the scriptures, this revelation of God right here always blows my mind. And it keeps me sort of humble because I am a dude who's known to get zealous about certain things, but I always have to keep that in check because when my zeal leads me to stand against certain people, I have to wonder if I'm actually standing against Jesus in the process. In this climate of culture wars that we live in, Christians do a whole lot of standing against stuff. And more specifically, not just stuff, people. There's all sorts of lists of people who are against us and outside of us and what those boundaries are. And I ain't gonna lie, I'm guilty of some of them same things too, but what if in the process of standing against people, not just standing against them, but loudly decrying their very righteousness before God, as if we are the ones qualified to make that decision, what if we are wrong? Are we in jeopardy of standing against Jesus? Are we in jeopardy of standing against the very revelation of God in our time? I don't know if I have the answer to that question, but I do know that I have a desire to build a fence around that danger so that we might never put ourselves in jeopardy of standing against God in our zealousness. What Paul learns about God on that road to Damascus when Jesus reveals himself to Saul of Tarsus, 
is that the very people that Paul was aggressively standing against, the very people that Paul was persecuting, the very people that Paul was calling heterodox and dangerous to their community are the people that Jesus chose to stand with. What would you do if God was revealed to you in a way that told you that you were wrong about everything? Would you trust that voice of God enough to listen, to let somebody lead you by your hand to a place in which the scales might fall from your eyes and you might be filled by the spirit of God? Or might we insist that we have misheard God, that the orthodoxies that we once carried could not have possibly been mistaken? Would we insist that all of the people we regarded as sinners are people that God has done away with? Or might we entertain the possibility that Jesus is standing with the people we once regarded as sinners? When it comes to finding hope in Revelation, we have to ask ourselves, what if you're wrong? What if the God that we've been pursuing this whole time is so much grander, so much more loving, so much more active than we'd ever imagined? What if the revelation of God told you to throw away everything you knew and to love on people a little better. I don't know, but let me pray with you. Almighty God, who is light in your very essence, we ask that as you reveal yourself to us, you might grant us the humility to let go of the things that do not reflect who you are. So that when everything is said and done, we might look a little bit more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Translation is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. You can follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. That's the number three, not spelled out, black men. You can follow us on threads too, at three black men pod. That's the number three black men pod over on the threads app. You can find me on all social media platforms at Pastor Trey 05. That's Pastor Trey 05. You can even link up with me on Facebook nowadays at facebook.com slash real Pastor Trey 05. That's real Pastor Trey 05. The best place to keep up with me is PastorTrey05.com. That's PastorTrey05.com. And there you'll find all of my social media handles. You can subscribe for my newsletter, get regular writings from me. You can even find out where you can purchase my book, Theologizing Bigger, Homilies on Living Freely and Loving Holy. This work has been made possible by a community of folks who've chosen to show their support through generosity. You can join us at Patreon.com slash 3 men. Spell three out that time, though. Patreon.com slash three black men. There you can find even more original content from Sam, Rob, and yours truly. Make sure you subscribe to, rate, and review the New Living Translation and Three Black Men wherever you get your podcast. And remember, real recognize real. Don't get caught looking unfamiliar.